This is Marriage to the Max, episode number 72. And welcome to another episode of Marriage to the Max. I'm your host, Kelly Hurst. And this is Brett Hurst. Hello, Kelly. Hello, Brett. And we are marriage educators and co-founders of Home Encouragement. And this podcast is designed to help you take your marriage to the next level. All right, all right. Or so we hope, anyway. That's right. <laughs> well, today's episode is called, Is Your Marriage Emotionally Safe? Boy, I hope so. I think ours usually is, yeah. <laughs> for yeah. the most part. I feel pretty safe. <laughs> um, but we work with a lot of couples who say that they want a better marriage. And even though many of those couples don't use maybe vocabulary or language to describe exactly what it is they're craving, we're p- usually pretty sure they mean one thing. They want to have better intimacy. Hmm. They want to create an emotionally safe marriage relationship. And to do that, you've got to have emotional intimacy. That is so true. And we've said it before, not just on this podcast, but whenever we present to couples, emotional intimacy is something that we crave down to our core. And at the same time, we are deathly afraid of it. Why do you think that? Why do you think that is, Kel? Why do I think that is? I think it's because intimacy has two pieces. It means... To have real intimacy means I am completely known, Mm -hmm. which is the part, frankly, that scares us. Why does that scare you? Because we're afraid that if we're completely known, we won't be loved and accepted. Mm. But the second piece of intimacy is I'm completely loved and accepted, Mm -hmm. and that's the part we crave. That's the part we know we want. Yeah, that's the part deep down we know we want, but we're scared of that first part. Mm -hmm. And I mean, who doesn't want to be fully known and completely loved and accepted? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's what we all want. But it's a scary idea. It is a completely scary, and it it takes a risk, Mm -hmm. I think. But building this kind of relationship, I think, you know, it takes some skill, it takes a little time, it takes some grace, and it takes a lot of patience. Well, I got some skills. We've got skills. All right. And we've had some time. Yes. We haven't always practiced patience, but we try to do that. Um, So if we're going to dive into this idea of having a marriage that's emotionally safe, we have to talk about what the ingredients of intimacy are. And of course, we're not really, in this podcast at least, talking about physical intimacy, Mm because that's kind of its own thing. Mm -hmm. We're talking about more of emotional, uh, relational intimacy. Um, But the first thing you have to have if you want an intimate relationship is you have to have affectionate caring. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. So do each of you care for each other in a genuine way? And by this, I don't simply mean you care about each other, Uh but I'm talking about the everyday act of caring for each other, Uh you know, showing genuine care and affection. Yeah. Really taking active steps to care for each other instead of just saying it. Yeah, because it's one thing to say to each other, you know how much I love you. I love you so much. I tell you all the time. I, I married you, didn't I? Mm-hmm. You know, um, it's another thing to really think about that other person in a way of what what can I do to step out of my own needs and wants and care for this person who I say I love so much. So right before we started this podcast, I bought you some Panera. Uh, 
Panera Bread Lunch. Yeah. You were out running errands, and you called me and asked if I wanted Panera Bread Lunch. Did you feel cared for? Oh, so cared for, and that squash soup is divine, so yes. So later on, you, <laughs> you can care for me. <laughs> um, so as, as if we kind of break down affectionate caring, because you know we, we kind of want to unpack this, and this looks specific for a lot of different couples, but the first thing we want to do is we have to continue to learn about each other. Mm. Because it's really difficult to care for someone that you don't know very well. What do you mean? What have you been married 20, 30 years? <laughs> don't you know each other? You still have to know. You still have to learn about each other because every person is still growing and changing and growing into the person they're mm-hmm. becoming. And if we just sort of rest on our laurels and go, eh, I got this thing figured out. I know him. Right. Well, and as you enter into new life stages, you find out things about yourself that you had never uh, been privy to before. So certainly your spouse has some things to learn about you as you get into your 20 or 30 or yeah. 40 of your marriage. Yeah. And I, let alone and it, year 10. And it makes me sad when I see couples who've been married, say, 20 years and they sort of have this just kind of bored, stale attitude about mm-hmm. their marriage. Like, oh, okay, we've been doing this for 20 years now. Mm-hmm. What more really is there to learn? There's so much more, mm-hmm. you know, and because you're, you're not the same person you were 20 years ago and neither is your spouse. But we're creatures of routine and mm-hmm. that's how we get into that kind of groove where we think this is all there is. And, yeah. yeah. But I think just, you know, continuing to stay, we always tell our engaged couples, you know, never stop being a student of your spouse, mm-hmm. you know, observing, watching, being aware of what makes them tick, what makes them happy, sad, fearful, anxious, you know, and, and none of us have figured all of that out right. about each other. Well, just like we always say, stop being, don't ever stop being a student of life, period. Right. But, but what a great opportunity to, Study your spouse for the rest of your life. Yeah, and so that's how we can show affectionate caring for each other. Another way is to just continue to enter each other's worlds. Come into my world, Kelly. (laughs) To to take the time, make the investment to take interest in what interests your mate. And, you know, this may not be, this might feel kind of inconvenient. It requires maybe a little bit of a sacrifice. But people feel cared for when someone takes interest in what interests them. It has meant a lot to me since you've entered the world of college football in the NFL and Major League Baseball. and I know. I'm like, I, I still don't really understand all the rules of all the games. I <laughs> hey, mean, I. You, you get the game on for me. <laughs> but I put it on. I have it on because I know it's important to you. It's It actually is kind of comforting to me to like have it on. But um, yeah, so I think that rather than me just always pushing against that. It, it's something of interest to you. Mm-hmm. I may not want to be a part of it in the sense that t- I really don't care about going to games, but that part is not terribly interesting to me. But We'll keep working on that. But uh, just watching it on TV is not bad. I remember even when our kids were young, they would love it when we would go and hang out in their bedrooms. Because mm-hmm. you know, we were entering into their world. We were entering into their world. And so even just tucking them in at night, they enjoyed us entering their personal space. Yeah, the only thing they didn't enjoy was when... E- the two of them were entering each other's personal spaces. <laughs> yeah. That our, didn't go well. Our daughter would usually charge our son uh, some money to take a tour of her room, but we won't go there. That's how she is spending money yeah, now. Yeah, that's true. Um, so you want to enter each other's worlds. You also have to be available to each other. And this is something we we hear a lot from couples who'll talk about, you know, we spend time together, but we're not really encountering each other. You know, it's not mm. enough to simply be physically 
to simply be physically present with the people that we love. We have to be fully present with mm-hmm. our minds and our hearts. You know, when we're with someone, but we're preoccupied or we're not accessible or we're unapproachable, yeah. you know, that speaks volumes to the person we're with. It it says that we don't think he or she is very important. This is a really hard one. Uh, I think now more than ever because of our, our brains with social media and with mm-hmm. devices and all that kind of stuff. I mean, we're, we're rarely fully present in any moment I of know. our lives. I know. We all feel like we can kind of multitask. We can, you know, even you and I sometimes like in the evenings, my, and my favorite time of the day, really, frankly, is being able to like fall on the couch after a long day of work. Mm-hmm. We've had dinner and we can just kind of turn the TV on, watch something, maybe a movie or, or you know, news program or something. And But even both of us will sometimes have our iPads out. We're kind of mm-hmm. half listening, half talking. Finishing up work. Yeah, and it's not that there's anything wrong with that. We touched on this actually on the last episode when we talked about the technology stuff. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just that if that's most of what you do together mm-hmm. and you're not really stopping, looking each other in the eye, really having real conversations, mm-hmm. then things are going to get stale and boring and you're not going to be focusing on each other and learning about each other. And so these people pieces of intimacy don't really fall into place. That's true. So like when we take our little trips to other parts of the U.S., we're doing a lot of driving or whatever. When we're in the car, that's really great time because mm-hmm. we're not picking up those devices. And we'll talk about all kinds of things that we've sometimes things we've never talked about before. Yeah. No, those are great conversations. I love road trip conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing we want to do in the in just kind of that umbrella of affectionate caring is you want to let your spouse know that you think about him or her when you're apart. You know, when you genuinely care for someone, they are frequently on your mind. Mm-hmm. And 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 couples that'll happen a lot. You know, they'll be at work or they'll be kind of about their day, and they are thinking about that person. But it's nice to hear, you know, it's nice to get a text or an email or a phone call saying, you know, I I can't even talk right now, but I just want you to know Mm -hmm. you're on my mind. I'm thinking about you. I think that shows affectionate caring as well. Means a lot to me. So what's the second ingredient, Brett, for uh, creating intimacy? Well, I think it's along the lines of what we've been saying, uh, but going a little further into vulnerable communication. You know, there's a difference between surface communication and deep, vulnerable communication. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there are actually five levels, at least, of intimate conversation. You know, the first is just safe conversation, making sure that you're providing uh, a safe place. But that can still just be surface talk. It can include, uh, you know, topics that are happening around you or topics that are in the daily news or whatever. Then you go to the second level that this is discussing other people's opinions and beliefs, sharing each other's opinions and beliefs. The third level is is personal opinions and beliefs. This is how I feel. This is what I think. The fourth and fifth levels are, are where vulnerability really starts to take place. Level four is talking about your dreams, things that you aspire to, talking about failures, talking about things that uh, you wish had gone differently in mm-hmm. your life. That's getting a lot more uh, risky and, and um, transparent, vulnerable, mm-hmm. so forth. Level five is where you're really talking about needs and desires. And, and this, this is real deep, vulnerable conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, this involves issues of the heart. 
This is where you're sharing your, your deepest feelings, your deepest fears, your deepest failures, your hopes, your weaknesses, your, your dreams. You really have to trust the person you're in conversation with to go to this level. Uh, these are things that are unique to each one of us, you know, uh, mm-hmm. that whatever your deepest dreams are, that's, that's something that's unique to you. Um, so if we want to be vulnerable, we have to progress through these levels. And here's some things that you want to keep in mind. Uh, first question is, am I willing to share with you from my innermost being? Some people might say from the beginning, no, I'm not willing to do that. Yeah, that uh, place that you don't allow just anyone to go. You know, maybe even the place that you're afraid to go. Right. You know, I, am I am I really willing to share from that core of my my being? And there's all kinds of reasons that people get blocked in that area. And I think you and I spend a lot of our time with couples uh, trying to coach one or two uh, people to go deeper, uh, mm-hmm. in maybe for the first time or the first time in a long time. Uh, another thing is that I think you have to be able to, um, uh, you know, in our relationship or in anyone's relationship, you know, I have to be able to trust you if I'm going to be vulnerable. So it's mm-hmm. that safe, safe environment that we were talking about earlier. I have to know that you're not going to think less of me because of what I share. You don't think I'm weird or you don't think I'm offbeat, even though I'm all those things. Yeah, I think acceptance is is such a key mm-hmm. piece here because it's and it's and it's not the kind of acceptance that says, "You know what? I love you in spite of your weaknesses." But instead, I accept, respect and admire you because I know your innermost feelings. And the difference between what you just said, you know, the first one you said, what you say, you said, "I love you in spite of in spite of your weaknesses." Well, there's still that little element of judgment yeah. and scrutiny there, you know, but when you're saying, "I accept," I respect, I admire you because I know your innermost feelings. That That's unconditional. Yeah, that's totally unconditional. And that's the part of that intimacy that we were talking about early that we want it so much, but it's so scary because we just don't know if we're going to get it. Mm-hmm. You know, when we can trust that our spouse will not judge, criticize, or reject us when we have bared our soul, that's when we really know we're being fully and completely accepted. I would say we're there, Cal. <laughs> but, but although know, we have our mo- our challenging moments, well, we do. It's, sometimes I bear too much. <laughs> the other thing that you want to keep in mind when you're talk when you're moving into vulnerable communication is, you know, the information that I share with you, it can't be used against me later on. Mm-hmm. And it's, this just it's a trust factor. Yeah, this isn't just the trust factor that trusts that you won't go and share this information with someone else. I mean, I'm hoping in your marriage relationship you have at least that level of trust. Mm-hmm. But this is the trust that I know you won't later bring it up to me in a shameful way. Mm-hmm. To you use know, it against me or to hurt me. or Yeah. If you take advantage of my weaknesses or make fun of my fears or minimize my anxieties or avoid me because of what I've shared, then I'm going to be far more reluctant to share in that vulnerable way again. Hmm. I have to really know that this is not going to come slap me in the face later on, mm-hmm. you know, and that's really key. So what would you say to a couple that where that has taken place, where they have uh, have those kinds of pains, where they've used these things against one another, and so 
somebody has, quote, learned their lesson, said, well, I'm not going there yeah. again. Yeah. I, well, we would try to coach them back into putting their toe back in the water. Mm-hmm. You Forgiveness. Know, but, but we would really talk to the other partner about making sure that what acceptance really is. Mm-hmm. I read a book a long time ago about this dad who had a son, and they had this um, agreement, and it was called Dead Man's Talk or Dead Man's Conversation. And once in a while, the two of them would like go on their back patio or even when they were like hunting or fishing or something together. And they could have a conversation where they would say whatever they needed to say to each Mm -hmm. other. And it was like saying it to a corpse. Mm -hmm. You weren't allowed to bring it back up later on. Mm -hmm. And, you know, maybe that's kind of extreme sounding, but that's kind of the idea we're talking about. When you really go deep, you've got to be able to trust that your partner's not going to bring it back up and go, hey, remember when you told me so-and-so? That was really kind of, you know, or, or some other way that they could shame you with it or or em- embarrass you. Yeah, that makes sense. And along those same lines, uh, kind of the next point, confidentiality, rather, yeah. is key. You know, it's it's like Vegas, baby. Mm-hmm. You know, what is talked about in your marriage stays in your marriage. And unless it's mutually agreed on that this is, this is okay for to share in maybe a wider circle. Yeah, um, I've heard I've heard people ask for prayer for their spouses in like, you know, Bible study classes or something. Uh, and and it's regarding information that might not have been pre-approved for mm-hmm. them to ask for prayer for. Um, I remember a particular couple that we were working with one time, and there was something that she had shared with him that was very, very personal and private. And he shared it with us in a counseling situation. And it ended up being fine, but you could tell when he first brought it up that she was just like, whoa, I didn't give permission for us to share this, you know, and we worked it out and it was okay. And he thought in a counseling session, hey, all everything's fair game, you know, mm-hmm. I can bring up whatever. But that was really a moment. And I think that's, you know, we just have to always be in a, in a posture of protecting our mm-hmm. spouses yeah. with their reputation, with their feelings, with their thoughts. And that's, that's really the job of your best friend, sure. but I mean, it's for sure the job of your spouse, your mate. So providing that safe environment, that, that, that's a two-way street. So is vulnerability. So is being vul- vulnerable. I mm-hmm. mean, and so it's that combination of both of them, emotional intimacy, safety. Uh, if you're practicing vulnerability with your partner and he or she doesn't practice it in return, well, then most likely you're not going to feel as connected as if both of you are doing that practicing vulnerability. Yeah, because if one of it's if it's a one-way street and one of you practices vulnerability and the other doesn't, then the person who's practicing vulnerability just always feels exposed. Mm-hmm. You'd never feel like the circle is kind of brought back. Mm-hmm. Um, I've noticed Brett in our relationship that when one of us shows up for the other in a vulnerable way, it seems to act as an invitation for the other person to do the same. It does in our marriage and and hopefully in people's marriages who practice this, it does anything but embarrass or Mm -hmm. shame the person. Mm -hmm. If anything, it acts as an invitation for the other person to show up at another time in a vulnerable way. Mm -hmm. It gives us permission Mm -hmm. um, to show up again and again in that way. Yeah, but I I totally agree with you. I think with us, we've had a lot of practice and we've been doing it for a long time, thinking about couples where that safety, as we were talking about earlier, um, they don't feel that way. Mm -hmm. And it's just going to take some uh, small building blocks of, like you said, sticking your toe back in the water, 
both uh, parties understanding that this is vital to the, the payoff of all this is intimacy, which mm-hmm. is which increases everything in marriage. It increases everything you put, could possibly want in a marriage relationship. Mm-hmm. This is this is going to help achieve that, and success leads to more success. So mm-hmm. practice makes perfect. All that kind of stuff. Yeah, exactly. So um, it's got to be a two way street. We communicate that we trust someone when we're open about our life. Yeah. So we've talked about affectionate caring as an ingredient of intimacy. We've talked about vulnerable communication. Another ingredient is joint accomplishment. And by that, what I mean to say is that you need to have something in life that you do together. We as do a, a podcast. Couple. We do. And it doesn't have to be necessarily a hobby or something like that, but something to look forward to. You know, make sure that your lives are not so full that you don't have time to connect as husband and wife, not as co-parents, not as, you know, members of your church or your community or whatever, but as as man and woman, you mm-hmm. know, as how you did when you first got together, mm-hmm. you know, find something that either interests you or something you can do together, or even if it's just something you have on your calendar and you know, hey, Friday night we get a date night or mm-hmm. next month we get to go on that weekend trip or whatever it or, is. Or it could be serving at your church. It could be doing yeah, some of these be, other things. Yeah, it could be, totally. But doing it together, like this is a passion that we yeah. share. Most people don't share probably even most of their passions, but you have something that the two of you can connect over mm-hmm. and get excited about together. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And then the last ingredient is mutual giving. And this is just the essence of genuine love. It's giving to one another. You know, I feel like if more couples would focus on giving and not just taking, uh, on meeting the needs of their partner rather than just worrying about if their own needs are, needs are being met, I think we would probably have a lot more mature marriages. Mm -hmm. You know, I I have heard so many mature married couples who say something along the lines of, you know, once I kind of laid down my, or once I kind of gave my expectations to God and didn't put them on my husband or my wife, Mm -hmm. you know, I was just kind of set free to just live a more full life and not worry about, you know, whether my, and I'm not trying to say, you'll never hear us say that a couple should not express their needs to one another or should not, you know, come and ask for what they need. We're we're not saying just ignore your needs altogether, Mm -hmm. but we're saying is if we get so in our own headspace, I think, and in our own worry of, um, am I happy? Am I getting my needs met? Mm -hmm. I think if we were, if more people just kind of stepped out of that and what does my mate need today? What Mm -hmm. does my husband need for me? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Just in general, when you're always focused on yourself and not just self-centeredness, but self-introspection and so forth, it's pretty exhausting. Yeah. And, and I think sometimes when you, you can even like kind of make it a game almost, you know, shoot for your mate's happiness, mm-hmm. you know, and, and this is a sacrificial way of living. You know, it, it takes a little maturity to do this. Mm-hmm. It does not come naturally. We humans are by nature, very self-focused. Wow. <laughs> Speak for yourself. Um, but, you know, a key is to step outside of your own self-absorption. And when we do this, I just think it's easier to have a happier marriage. You know, if each partner would take the initiative to move first on this, then the sky's the limit. Okay, so you move first. Yeah, I thought you would say that. <laughs> you know, if you want true, deep intimacy, you have to practice vulnerability and emotional safety. You know, as you were saying earlier, Brett, it's a two-way street. It's also a both-and mm-hmm. kind of practice. Mm-hmm. You know, if one of you is vulnerable 
and the other one is not an emotionally safe person, it's not going to work. You're going to be limping along. Yeah. yeah. No, you won't even be limping along. You'll be painfully limping along. Mm-hmm. Or if one of you is practicing emotional safety, but your mate is not vulnerable with you, right? then you're limping along. Both of you have to practice both of those things. Both, both vulnerability and being a safe person exactly. and creating a safe environment. Yeah. And our marriages really, I think, should be the safest relationship on earth. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I mean, it, it, everything's a risk and everything's kind of, man, I'm depending that you're going to be there for me, you know, mm-hmm. and maybe you won't, maybe you won't show up for me on this particular day, but I'm betting that you will. And we have a long history that you have. Mm-hmm. So, you know. Yeah. And I would just say, if that's not where your marriage is right now, don't give up hope. Right. Because you can get there. You can move yeah. to this area, even if you've never been uh, in this state before. Uh, reach out because people can help you get to uh, where you're experiencing vulnerability and safety together yeah. if you're both committed to doing that. Exactly. Well, if you would like to contact us, you can find us at marriagetothemax.org. You can also check out our website at homeencouragement.org. Mm-hmm. Also, we hope you'll follow us on Facebook and Twitter. And if you have a topic or a question you'd like for us to discuss on the podcast, please send us an email to the Hursts, H-U-R-S-T-S, at homeencouragement.org, and we will do our best to get it on the air. And we hope you'll share the love by rating this podcast on iTunes. This helps us to have more visibility. So thanks so much for listening today. And until next time, remember, healthy marriage, healthy world. God bless y'all. Mm-hmm.